Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And in this one, the Astros decided to dress up for Halloween as the real Astros hitters we know instead of the imposters we've seen the rest of the series. We discuss game five, the state of the series, the Texans latest disaster, and the Cougs biggest win in several years, maybe. Before we fire this one up, a reminder that we're brought to you by BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Not only is BetUS the place to bet on all your favorite sports, but later I'll give you an exclusive discount for BetUS.com where you can do live betting, go to their online casino, or bet on any sport. Before we get there, let me bring in my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and veteran journalist, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, it's been a long, long day here between the Texans and the Astros, but let's start with the Astros and where are your emotions after losing games three and four, but then pulling out the comeback in game five this weekend? Uh, pretty much the same as in the Red Sox series, Robert, back and forth and back and forth. Uh, you know, game three and four, it just, just so disappointing. And I've said this so many times throughout the season, the Astros offense is feast or famine. And I think at one point, I want to say it was in game four, I wrote in my notes that uh, somebody needs to bring them a feast and bring it quick. <laughs> well, they waited till game five to do it. And, uh, you know, but in that first inning, when the Braves hit the grand slam, when Duval hit that grand slam, I'll be honest, you know, one part of me was saying, all right, let's just get this game over with. Let's get out of here. But I also knew, Robert, that if anybody, if any offense could come back and make a game of it, it was the Astros offense. They just needed to wake up, wake up. Well, they woke up. Remember how you and I were talking with Greg Lucas before the postseason started about Martin Maldonado, and he made the point about how surprising it was. Maldonado draws as many walks as he does, considering how poor a hitter he was. That is so prescient after this game. Boy, is it ever. I mean, he was big. He got he got a hit, you know, but he also scored a run. He got an RBI, and he walked. And, yeah, he does get the walks when he needs to get them. Maybe not that often, but I think it's just in the situations where you really need Martin to come through with a walk or with something. You know, Brent Strom has called him the most valuable player of this team, certainly the the hidden MVP. And, and the guy just does so many things, and he comes up with the biggest clutch situation sometimes when you really need it. And he came through one of the many Astros that came through in, in this game, Robert. Speaking of coming through, he's our guy from back in 2017. Welcome back, Marwin Gonzalez. Oh, the Marwin magic. You know what? Here's something for you, Robert. Of the five position players that the Astros still have from that 2017 World Series championship team, and that, of course, includes Guriel, Altuve, Bregman, Correa, and Marwin, they went a combined 9-for-19 with six RBIs in that game. How about that? Man, it's it's good to have Marwin back. And wouldn't you know he would come up with the big hit in the World Series? Just That's crazy. And Correa with three hits. Glad to see he looked at his watch and realized the World Series started. Yeah, and you know, I, I mean, Dusty, of course, tinkered with the lineup. And, and it's something, you know, you talked about of taking Alex Bregman out. Well, that wasn't going to happen. But what he did do is move Bregman down to seventh. He got Correa up to third, Guriel fifth. And yeah, Correa, Bregman, they did their part and because Correa hadn't been hitting much either, and uh, neither had Bregman. But, you know, sometimes a little shakeup of the lineup, Robert, it, 
I, I don't know if guys just get too comfortable where they are or what, but uh, it certainly rattled the Astros' cages enough for them to come back in this game. Okay, I'm going to make the point on Bregman that I'm still not happy with him being in the lineup in Game 5, and you can point to the double, but he didn't do much in his other at-bats. But the bigger thing was, yeah, the double helped him get a couple of runs, but in essence, that defensive play helped that Grand Slam four-run inning to start things because... You know, it wasn't called an error, but that's a play that Alex Bregman is supposed to make. And that's why we're paying Alex Bregman to be Alex Bregman at third base. He is a great defensive player or was one. He hasn't looked like one in this series in the postseason period. He has just been poor on both sides of the baseball. And I just I'm still not high on let's just keep running Alex Bregman out there. Yeah, that definitely cost. And of course, you know, then when Alvarez threw to third base instead of to second, you know, that the, both of those defensive plays in that inning certainly contributed. But yeah, the, you know, the, the play that Bregman didn't make, that's a play that Correa makes time and time and time again. And Bregman just isn't making those plays. I mean, he's made some pretty good plays in this in this series and in this game, but that one was very costly. And yeah, it, it almost literally cost the Astros the World Series. So what about the rest of the games in this week in this weekend? The Astros obviously couldn't hit. I mean, if you go back to game four, that was a game that they just lost in the first three innings. You can't put seven runners on in the first three innings and only come up with one run, leaving the bases loaded and two on this inning and two on that inning. It was just a bunch of missed opportunities. And I could have told you after the third inning, the Astros were going to figure out a way to lose that game because – We've seen it in sports over and over again. You miss opportunities enough times, and it always, always comes back to bite you. Well, that's right. And you know what What the big difference has been in this postseason when the Astros have been hitting? Two out hits. Well, guess what they got in game five? Two out hits. Guess what they didn't get in games three and four? Two out hits. That The clutch hitting was definitely not there, Robert. And the, the bats were, I, I mean, it was reminding me a lot of the uh, 2005 World Series the 1999 series with the Braves when the Astros couldn't hit their weight. You know, it, it just, that that was very discouraging. And that's what happens with this team. When they get in a funk, they don't get the timely hitting. They leave runners on base. And in some cases, you know, they, they almost got themselves no hit. They almost didn't get any runners on base, you know, in game three. So, yeah, that was the big difference. In game five, they were getting the two out hits and the two out runs. So, you know, when this team is is really on and they get the clutch hitting, then, you know, they could certainly come back and tie this series and even win it. But they've obviously got to do that for two more games. Any other things specifically from game five or the previous games in this series? Because I've got some thoughts moving forward, but let's get everything out of the way from the three-day weekend and these three games. Did you have anything else? Well, not really. Just, you know, I, I felt like even though it was three to one, I mean, I I, get, I just kept hoping that the Astros would. I, I get tired, though, Robert, of them and you know the rockets were famous for doing this too in most cases you know digging themselves in a deep hole in a championship series or in a playoff series and having to fight your way back you know there's only so many times you can do that and you know once again the astros were looking up at a three to one deficit and they won game five you know they come back to houston it's definitely set up for them to win the next two games but there are no guarantees i mean you know the braves they're pitching, you know, it's been shaky in some spots, but you know what? It's been pretty darn good considering that 
they have started three different rookie pitchers, Robert. Three rookie pitchers the Braves have started in this World Series. No other team has done that. And yet, they're still up three games to two. So the Astros really need to take advantage of that type of situation and really get to these pitchers when they have the chance. And they certainly did it in game five. You really felt like the series was over after game four because, well, at least I did. Because if you look at it, it, it's not that you don't think, well, the Astros can't win three in a row, but it's so hard to win three in a row when you've got a pitching staff that can't go more than two or three innings most night. And we've seen this throughout the World Series. We've seen it through a lot of the playoffs. And this continues. And now you go to Jose Arquiti, Stephen, and I just am curious what you think about Dusty going to Arquiti because now he's in a conundrum. He's got Luis Garcia starting on three days rest. So the next two games he's basically saying are bullpen games. Because you're you're not getting regular rest for anybody. And you've made two games in the bullpen games after ma- making basically the last three. At some point, this bullpen that's just done a fantastic job. I mean, throw away Christian Javier's, you know, two home runs. <laughs> They've done an a, unreal job the rest of the series. And, you know, you, you're going to have those hiccups occasionally. There's going to be a Christian Javier hiccup. It, it's like you're rolling the dice and every time you're hoping – to get double sixes or something like that. You, you just can't continue to do that with this bullpen. And th- that's really what bothers me is, you know, to go to Jose Arquiti, what was it necessary? Could he have gone to somebody else to get you through those innings? I know you got to win this game to win the series, but still, could he have gone to somebody else? Well, I think that's what he was banking on. And, and first of all, as far as Javier, yeah, it was unfortunate. But you know what? If the Astros had been hitting, it might not have been an issue. But as far as Arquiti, here's, here's the deal, Robert. I, I see your point. But I would also argue that, you know, more than likely the starters aren't going to go more than two or three innings anyway. It's not ideal that Luis Garcia would start game six on three days rest. You know, we've seen how many times the pitchers on three days rest don't do well. But when you look at the Astros overall starting rotation that can't go more than two or three innings in most cases, that's probably what you're going to get one way or the other. And the bullpen is going to have to mop it up regardless. And, yeah, you know, a, a position that we were so down on through most of the season, even made some trades for to try to get better, has suddenly been the position that has stepped up most in this postseason outside of the offense when it's been on is the bullpen. And yeah, you're going to have to count on it a lot, but so are the Braves. Now, the Braves pitching is in a better condition because you've got Max Freed going in, in game six more than likely, which means you're probably going to have Ian Anderson in game seven. So, From a starter standpoint, yes, the Braves are in the driver's seat where that's concerned. But looking at the Astros situation, you know, Garcia's probably not going to go more than two or three innings anyway. He just hasn't, except for that one shining moment, you know, in the ALCS. So I see your point, Robert, but I I don't know that it's as as big of a deal as it may seem just for that reason. Do you think I'm ignoring a little bit the Braves and how much they've put on their bullpen over this series? Well, no. I mean, they certainly have. I I mean, their starters haven't gone all that deep either. So, you know, when you get this deep in a series, especially if it goes to a game seven, you're going to get into every, I mean, your bullpen, you may even see some of the starters that pitched two days ago uh, pitch, you know, it's an all hands on deck type of thing. But yeah, the Braves have had to go to their bullpen quite a bit. Uh, They got some leverage innings from Drew Smiley that kind of saved them a little bit for game six in the later innings. So that was big for them. But yeah, as I've said, 
they have really done it. Brian Snicker's done a great job with that pitching staff, considering, as I mentioned, they, they've got several rookies on their staff who have started the World Series, and yet they're still up three games to two. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal, if you ask me. Well, here's where you need a little bit of karma and you need luck to fall the other way because the Astros came back two minute made in 2019 and they were up three, two and you just needed to win one stupid home game of the last two to win the world series. Well, baseball gods, they owe the Astros a couple of wins at minute made park in the next few days. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that Robert. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take the reverse history. Let, let's come back to Minute Maid, get these next two games, and then you've got a World Series championship. You know, I, I know it's exciting, and, it, you know, it would certainly, you want to win it at home, absolutely. Uh, but as I said, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I wish that the Astros could just sweep a World Series for once. They, they dig themselves so many holes. You know, in the 1995 NBA Championship Series when the Rockets beat the Orlando Magic, they actually did sweep. You know, that first game was was pretty crazy. But after that, the Rockets were in control. I, I just want the Astros to do that. Can they can they ever go to a World Series where, you know, they could win it four games to one or four games to two or maybe even sweep four games. But no, this this Astros, you know, they just this is not what they do. They're down three to one, so they're down three two now, and so they have to come back and win these next two games. If anybody can do it, they can. Just a word to anybody that's going to be out at Minute Maid, if we have any listeners going to Minute Maid for Game 6, here's the deal. If the Astros get behind early, you guys can't all of a sudden be quiet. The, the stadium cannot get quiet because this Astro team has shown over and over and over again that they can come back, and you've got to keep that energy up, and you've got to get these guys up for coming back in a, in a, in a Game 6 or a Game 7 at Minute Maid Park. You cannot give up on that and i'm sick and tired of the baseball broadcasters talking about how great the other ballpark is instead of how great the minute made fans are and how great houston fans are so you bet you guys better be loud if you're going to the ballpark tell your friends i'm tired of this i'm tired of us getting the short shrift on our fans are not good enough and, and a lot of times i agree with them you know what i'm glad you brought that up robert because the perfect example is game five when the Braves went up 4 nothing when Adam Duvall hit that grand slam. I mean, that place was rocking. They, I think they felt like they had the championship in their hands. I almost felt that way, too. When the Astros scored those two runs, that place got quiet. I mean, you hardly heard the, the tomahawk chop. You, you heard it a little bit more throughout the game. They, they tried to get back in it. But once the Astros started coming back, that crowd got quiet in a hurry. I mean, we're, we're talking in the second inning, they were already quiet. So, yeah, Minute Maid needs to rock. You know, if the Astros can get down. They've proven they can come back. But keeping that energy going, I think, will keep the players going, too. I think it does make a difference. You know, it may not necessarily be the exact difference in the game, but it really can. When that energy is going, the players feed off of it. You know they do. So, yep, get it rocking and keep it rocking till the bitter end or the celebrating end, whichever it is. One more point that I want to make Astros-wise that's not necessarily do with strategy or on the field, but this is about the organization. And Saturday night, Miles Straw shows up at the game with a Michael Brantley jersey on. Miles Straw plays for the Cleveland Indians, traded away from the Astros halfway through the season. And as I made the point on Twitter, and it went viral, Stephen, this 
tweet went viral. I said, how many organizations have their ex-players who were traded come back for the postseason wearing team jerseys to root for them? Not just Straw, but we've seen Joe Smith do this too. We've also seen Robinson Chirinos and Josh Reddick at Astros games. All of these guys are playing or were playing on other teams this year. Now, they might not be playing anywhere next year. A couple of them, I would assume that potentially Joe Smith is retired after the end of the year. I don't know where Josh Reddick is, but still, they were playing for other teams this year. And these are not old retired players. These are guys that are still playing. These are players who played for not the Astros this year. That is incredible. And it says so much about this organization. Yeah, I was I was shocked, Robert. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I can't think of an instance where that's happened. I'm sure it has in, re, you know, in years past. But, I mean, you're talking about guys like Miles Straw and Joe Smith. They were playing on the Astros earlier this season. They were on the team. And they both got traded. And yet they come back in the postseason, and they're coming to watch the Astros win the World Series. Now, Another interesting fact is that Brian McCann was also there. I'm curious. I wonder who Brian was cheering for. Was he cheering for the Astros or the Braves because he played for both teams? Of course, he lives in the Atlanta area, and he was a Brave for quite a few years. But, yeah, it's very interesting how, you know, especially the the very recent players like Miles and like Joe Smith who were on the team this season, Josh Reddick, of course, on the team last season, they're coming to cheer these guys on. And and I think it's not just the organization, Robert. I think it's the players that they were playing with. I think it's their teammates that they were coming to root with, too. Because, you know, that Astros team is a very close-knit unit. It just it, it has been. They're not cliquish. We hear a lot about what it's like in that clubhouse, in their locker room. You know, they don't go off. You know, the Latin players don't go off in one corner. The pitchers don't go in another corner. They all hang together. And I think that's a big reason that you saw guys like Miles Straw, Joe Smith, Josh Reddick and, and those guys come back. Yes, it's with the organization, but it's for their former teammates. And it's not just the Astros' former players. It's people associated with the Astros. George Springer's sister, his sister, you know, George plays for the Toronto Blue Jays now. She just tweeted out a few days ago, how about them Strohs? You you go hmm. follow uh, where well, you used to be able to follow. I don't know if she's still on Twitter. Colin McHugh's wife and Colin McHugh's wife has been an open Astros fan as he's bounced around since he's left Houston. And, and I think Colin still loves these guys. I mean, their heart is still all here and it's just, it's remarkable for many reasons, but I think it's most remarkable, which is not, is not even something that we have to say out loud, but this is an organization that's just been crushed. It's a bad organization, bad atmosphere. It's evil. It's this, it's that. And these people love it. They they love these guys. They love the Astros. And it, it's just so nice and refreshing. And it's a story that we're probably not going to hear on a national level. But it's noticed in Houston. And it's appreciated. And it's, it's why we care about these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of that was from the front office part of it, Robert. But I think, as I said, it, it goes back to their teammates you know, that that's why they were there. And I even heard Ken Emanuel was there. Of course, he's not, you know, on the postseason roster, but he's showing up to cheer for the Astros. So, yeah, it's a great thing to see. And I was just, my heart was just really warmed by that. Uh, too bad it couldn't push them through to a victory, but at least they did in game five. So now we got these next two games, Robert. 
You got to cheer them on. As you said, go to Minute Maid and get it rocking. Who do you want to see step up that you feel like just hasn't been pulling their weight? When we talked about Bregman, I mean, that's a gimme. But is there anybody else that you're like, yeah, they're, they're due? Well, Alvarez is due. He hasn't been hitting particularly well either. You know, he he, um, he needs to get it going too. So I, I'd say he'd be my guy. And, you know, Correa's finally starting, I think, to get it going. But I'd say Alvarez. We, we need to get his bat back in there. And uh, then I really feel good about our chances. I mean, how do you feel? As Do you have a feel after watching this for five games or do, is there a feeling that you think okay well they're 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 poised to make a run again at the plate or you know where are you well I, you know Robert it's hard to say I mean it's been so back and forth I, I am I'll be honest I'm just kind of on the fence with it because this Astros offense I, I just don't know I mean it's, it's certainly capable of of winning these next two games but when they get in these funks like they do and when they don't get the the clutch hitting I mean, I, I'd like to say that after game five that they've got the momentum back and they're coming back, you know, to Houston for the next two games. But as we've seen, uh, that doesn't necessarily play into their hands. But I'm always trying to be the optimist, Robert. You know that. You, you and I have been working together a couple of years now. And I try to be the optimist because, look, the series isn't over. You know, we still have two more chances to win. So I'm going to lean toward the fact that the Astros are going to make this brilliant comeback and that people are not going to have a choice but to say – that the Astros are World Series champions, not cheaters, World Series champions. They'll, if, they, if the Astros win these next two games, they're going to have to say it whether they like it or not. Well, I said I wasn't a fan of Craig Biggio throwing out the first pitch of the first game of the World Series, and I'll, I'll stand by that. <laughs> I know everybody loves <laughs> Craig Biggio. Who, who, who should the Astros, what clutch Astro needs to be out there throwing the first pitch in game seven and I'm sorry, in game 60, let's start with game six. Who who needs to be out there in game six? Well, I'm trying to think, has Roy Oswald done it recently? Cause he certainly was a clutch pitcher in, in some of the postseason games. Oh, let's have him pull his tractor out and do it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Pull the tractor out and throw the first pitch. Now yeah, Roy Oswald would be my guy. I just, I don't think he's done it recently. Lance. What about Lance Bergman? He's in town. Has he, has he, did he, he didn't throw out the first pitch in, in any of the games in the playoffs yet? Has he? I don't think so. Not like I said, not recently. So yeah, get Lance Bergman, get Roy. Yeah. Get him, get him out there, man. Billy Wagner. Let's get Billy Wagner out there. Yeah. That'd be great too. Uh, Wags maybe gets a little bit of, a little bit of noise for Wags in the Hall of Fame if he gets out there. Maybe we can talk about that on the broadcast a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'd certainly love to see Wags in the Hall of Fame. If anybody deserves it, he does. I just, I love the guy, but I love the way he pitched too. And that's obviously what's most important when you're talking about the Hall of Fame. I'll give you the last word. What, what's your last word on the on this game six and seven and, and the Astros in the World Series? It's amazing that it's come down to this, Robert. I mean, the baseball season is 162 games you know, and then all these postseason games, it just seems so long. And I guess it seems even longer because we're into November. And if it does go to a game seven, that means the World Series ends on November 3rd. So, it, you know, it's getting pretty late in the in the fall here. So but man, it means that the Astros are still playing. And that's the big thing. So I'm just ready for these next two games. I just hope the Astros can keep the momentum going. That's what we need to do. Keep it going, Stros. Hold your nose, everybody, because we're entering the Texans dumpster fire. <laughs> and our friends at BetUS took the Texans as 14 and a half point dogs early in the week, all the way to 16 and a half after Tyrod Taylor was ruled out. And oh boy, Stephen, what a difference that made. I hope our listeners jumped on that early line. Vegas was in a panic there at the end of the game. Oh, 
man, were they ever? I, I think the you know the, the Rams fans might have even started being in a panic the way things were going. Golly, it, it just the craziness just keeps on happening where the Texans are concerned. <laughs> yeah. So if you are unaware, they won the game. The Rams did by sixteen, but that last two point conversion, Stephen. Oh my goodness! You just know people. Uh, in Vegas, we're going, oh, oh no, not the two-point conversion. Don't do the two-point conversion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they almost tried to score at the very end, which, you know, if, uh, let's say, it would have cut it to 38-28, you know, another two-point conversion, oh, boy, they'd, they'd have been tearing their hair out after that. Well, it didn't matter at that point. I mean, the spread no, 16, 16 and a half to, I mean, it was 16. That was it. I mean, if you took the Texans, you took the Texans that late spread, you won. If you took the Texans, the early spread, which I think we were telling people to take that early spread, that 14 and a half points yeah. while you could get it. Uh, if you did yeah. that, you were in business. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen when Tyrod Taylor comes back. Does that lessen the spread? Does that mean that you probably should start taking the Texans a little bit because maybe the Vegas maybe Vegas is going to overvalue the Texans a little bit or undervalue them I should say with with uh, how bad they are I don't know but it's going to get interesting when when Tyrod Taylor gets back to see where they are with the quarterback that I think is a real quarterback I think it would definitely lessen the spread a bit and especially you know they're going to be playing the Dolphins and of course they've got some other tough opponents coming up but uh, yeah I think it's going to make at least some difference when Taylor comes back uh, you know maybe the difference of two or three points something like that Keep an eye on it because if you're going to bet on the NFL, the World Series, or college football, make sure you think about going to bet U.S. because this might be a good time to do it. The Texans' season might be easy to bet on against the Texans if you feel like Tyrod Taylor's not enough to turn this whole thing around. And if you're going to bet on a on any NFL, you might as well do it with a sports book with integrity and longevity like bet U.S., not just football. Uh, they're going to take action on any sport. They've been in the game for three decades, just a pioneer in the sports book industry with a diehard customer fan base and an easy to use mobile platform. Log on to betus.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. And we can save you money when you sign up. Use our promo code HST125 to redeem 125% signup bonus on your initial $100 deposit. Again, HST125 as in Houston Sports Talk. 125 for that 125 percent sign up bonus and to help our podcast just sign up using either the bet us link on our pin post at the top of our twitter page or go to our website houstonsportstalk.net and click on the bet us icon get your online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like i did bet us you bet you win you get paid so robert up until that fourth quarter do you remember how old you were the last time the Texans scored a touchdown? I mean, it, it's been so long. I, I, you, you and I may have had a birthday since then. You know, if we were had been married, you know, a couple of wedding anniversaries. It had been a long time. Actually, it had been three weeks since the Patriots game that the Texans had actually scored a touchdown. Man, I didn't even think about that. I, I just thought the, the fun thing about watching this game was watching the Halloween costumes in the stands. I don't know if you saw this, Stephen, but... I saw Cal McNair and he was dressed up as an owner. Scared me to death. Scared me to death. <laughs> me too. He scared a lot of people. And and unfortunately, he's going to continue to scare a lot. Of you know, that's one of those costumes he may never come out of for, you know, years. Uh, that's that's really scary to think about, Robert, If you now that you brought it up. But yeah, the, the last touchdown the Texans scored up until that uh, first one in the fourth quarter was the flea flicker 
in the Patriots game. Man, that, that just seems like months ago, not three weeks ago. <laughs> I, I can't believe we got nine more games of this. What a terrible year to add an extra game. That's How mean, how mean to do that to us? Yeah, and I mean, I know, you know, in the fourth quarter, everybody's starting to get excited that the Texans finally scored. But look, and, and I know on the first touchdown, the Rams still had most of their first unit in. So it's not like they had it against second and third stringers, but still, you know, Robert, I mean, I know people say, oh, you're playing for next week. You're playing for pride. Look, these players aren't going to, you know, of course they want to end strong, but the final score was still 38 to 22 and three fourths of the game was still ugly. You know, you, you can't just erase something like that just because you finally woke up in the fourth quarter and realized, Ooh, I better get to the game. The game's already been started for three quarters. So yeah, I, I mean, it was exciting to watch, but at the end of the day, they're still the Texans and they're still horrible. I think our new catchphrase should be, we'll watch the Texans so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, we're we're putting our basically the sacrificial lambs, Robert. I yeah. guess that's what we are. So, yeah, we'll we'll just do the dirty work so you don't have to. Well, didn't you tweet something to that effect earlier? Something about get out and enjoy the beautiful weather. We'll we'll get you covered on the Texans and the Astros, the podcast. You don't have to watch it. Yeah, we'll we'll run it down a little bit. I'm going to get through some of this game and, and what happened, but we're not going to bore you too much. And, you know, you made the point, Stephen, what they did in the fourth quarter, scoring some touchdowns. I mean, it's against backups. It doesn't matter. They had the backups in the game, backup quarterback, backup defensive guys. So kind of throw that out the window as, as far as what happened today. But let's start off the game. Texans on defense, 11 play, 75-yard drive. Just easy walk up the field for the Rams. Three-yard touchdown, Stafford to Daryl Henderson. Offensively, Texans get one first down, and then they punt. Garrett Christian with a holding penalty, and he tends to have penalties for the Texans on a consistent basis. So your backup offensive lineman, remember, Stephen, not just one backup offensive lineman. The Texans have lost their three best offensive linemen, and you know, Justin Britt was doing a decent job and you have two tackles that are professional tackles in the NFL. Laramie Tunsil, one of the best tackles in the, in the league. And you lost Cannon, who was somebody that was a good right tackle for the Patriots over the years. Yeah, it is Robert, but it just gets maddening when it happens week after week after week. I mean, these are drive killers. You had two penalties in that, in that possession where the Texans had a little bit of a thing going and it just kills it and it kills momentum and you know, I'm sure it kills their spirit, but gosh, I, I mean, week after week, David Culley's been yelling and screaming about it. Well, he's not yelling loud enough, apparently, because it's the same old thing. Next drive on defense, Grugier Hill with nice coverage on a fourth and one. Not a great pass by Matt Stafford near the goal line. So the Texans get a break. Somehow they stop him at the goal line, but offensively, it's a three and out. Although we did have a Brevin Jordan sighting, his first catch in the NFL on a screen pass. And of course, later he caught his first touchdown. Steven, Brevin Jordan finally gets to play on a terrible team when you want to see the draft picks play and you want to see what they can do. And it was nice to not see Farrell Brown out there committing penalties. Well, maybe they were listening to you, Robert, because how many podcasts have you been calling for Brevin Jordan to come in? Where's Brevin Jordan? What, you know, why isn't he playing? So uh, yeah, they finally wised up and put him in. And, uh, yep, he had a couple, he had at least a couple of catches, one for that touchdown, as you mentioned. So I, I'm thinking, you know, as this time goes on, Robert, you got to start seeing more of these younger guys that the Texans are going to put in. And, you know, we've talked about the moves that they've made. I'm sure these aren't the last ones. So guys like Brevin Jordan might even see more action here in the coming weeks. 
So the next drive on defense for the Texans, 10 play, 56-yard drive. Rams kick a field goal. So, I mean, that's a win for the Texans if you just give up a field goal. Then Davis Mills. And we got to, got to talk a little bit about Davis Mills. He throws an interception, terrible throw. The play before that, he tries to throw a screen pass into double coverage. You know, this is not a setup screen pass where the whole play revolves around the screen, Stephen. This is, you know, you got a choice. There are other guys running patterns. There look like four or five guys out, out in patterns. Brandon Cook's wide open on the other side of the field. This is where I'm starting to get concerned about Davis Mills because he's not doing smart things on the football field. He's not going through his possessions. He's making progressions. I mean, he's making bad reads. That's a concern, and he's looking more and more like I thought maybe he could be a middle-of-the-road quarterback. A couple a couple of games ago, a few games ago, you, you maybe started to see some signs, especially against the Patriots. But now he looks like the guy that I thought he would be, a career backup. You may be right, Robert. I think that was the incomplete pass to Phillips, if that's if that's the one I'm thinking of, right before the interception. And I, I mean, Davis Mills is the guy, he locks on a target. And I know it's one of those rookie things. A lot of rookie quarterbacks do it, but some get over it faster than others. And you hope that he'd be over it by now. So, yeah, you may be right. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just there's so many things wrong with this Texans offense. And Davis Mills is certainly part of the problem, but he's not the entire problem. Next possession for the Texans, this on the defensive end. Stafford to Woods for the two-yard touchdown. So it was a short field right there. But the big play in that drive, Vernon Hargraves got penalized for what I thought was a really weak holding penalty on fourth down. And that would have been a stop right there. The thing with that, Stephen, is I just feel like the refs at this point are like, if if there's a choice between giving the Texans a penalty and not giving them one, they're just going to go out and give the Texans a penalty. It's a reputation now with them that you just got to give the Texans a penalty if it's close. Well, wasn't there one uh, last week and the week before that there were a couple of calls I think that were questionable and like, yeah, that that wasn't, you know, roughing the passer I think is what it was that uh, really didn't look like a roughing the passer, but they call it. So, yeah, you know what? It it shouldn't be that way. It's unfortunate, but when you're a bad team, you're not going to get the calls going your way. You know, when, when you're the Patriots or the Rams or, you know, a Super Bowl contender, you're going to get those calls. It, it's not fair, but this is just what the Texans are going to have to deal with. But, you know, they've, they've just got to play better. I mean, the refs didn't lose the game for them. They, they've just got to play better, period. On offense, the Texans go three and out. Defense, seven play, 79-yard drive, another Rams touchdown, 24 to nothing. At this point, I kind of checked out of making notes. I guess the Texans get a drive late, but Fairbairn hits a field goal off the goalpost end to half. That's pretty much what the Texans were about and what they're about right now, just – if anything can go wrong, it does go wrong. Fairbairn, Stephen, your weekly reminder that Bill O'Brien was here. He was here. Yeah, he was here. And, and he's only gone, you know, physically, but his spirit still lives on, unfortunately, in guys like Kaimi Fairbairn. I think even during halftime, I think I saw where Kaimi Fairbairn was out there on the field practicing kicks. Um, yeah, you know, you're supposed to do that before the game and get it before the game, Kaimi, not, you know, at halftime. And wouldn't really need it, need it at that point with the score out of hand. Right. And what are you going to do? You're stuck with him because you're paying him guaranteed money. And what's the point of going to get another field goal kicker right now when you're not going to go anywhere and you don't need a field goal kicker that's going to change the course of your season. So the Texans are just going to let Fairbairn miss field goals and screw up like he's been doing for most of the last few years when you need him to, to, to do something, not just field goals, but extra points as well. Didn't really take any notes in the second half because at that point, I didn't care, Stephen. I I do want to mention, again, you lost Justin Britt. McCray was in at center. The offensive line 
just awful without three of your starters. And Titus Howard looks like a lost puppy out there. There were times when I was watching this game, Stephen, Titus Howard, and, and it wasn't just him, but there was a play specifically where Davis Mills gets sacked and Titus had no defenders in front of him. And then one of the, I think it was either the safety or a linebacker comes up and instead of just going to block that guy, he just looks right and ignores the guy, lets him go right past him. And of course blows past the left tackle because the left tackle was covered with somebody else. He's having to deal with that. And so that guy comes in and applies pressure with about 14 other guys and, and knocks Davis Mills to the ground. And I, I just go, what are these guys doing? What are they looking at? I thought the offensive line coaching was terrible the last few years. It hasn't got any better. The offensive line, not only are they physically unskilled and Charlie Heck is not good, but they are badly coached and it's happening again. And it's, you go, why don't these guys know, know where to go and what to do? And there's no communication. And I get it. There's not the camaraderie of, a, of an offensive line that's been together, but the confusion is just amazing. Well, they just look lost, Robert, pure and simple. They look lost and it shows. I mean, my goodness, Davis Mills gets sacked four times in seven plays, four times in seven plays. I, I started to begin thinking again, what did you say last week? I think it was, it's almost like he looks like David Carr. He's getting hit so much. Well, I started thinking that again in this game, he got sacked at least five, six times, but four of them occurred within a seven play period. I mean, the guys, uh, all of them, Titus Howard, all of them just look so lost. And your quarterback, your rookie quarterback is paying the price. You, you think Davis Mills still wishes he was at Stanford, Robert? It certainly wasn't this bad when he was in college. Did somebody kill Mac Sharping in the last few years? Like, what has happened to that? He he went from the first year he looked early on like, oh, maybe we got something decent at guard to a guy that just looks like he's unplayable. And Titus Howard was getting moved in and out at left guard. I mean, it was it was bad with the starters out there, much less you're having to worry about backups at the two tackle positions and at center. Well, you know, it's kind of like a mix and match thing, but it doesn't matter who you put in, who you take out. The results are the same. So I, I just, I don't know what the Texans can really continue to do. Just keep shuttling the same guys in and out and keep getting the same results. I mean, that's what it looks like to me, Robert. Other thing of note in this game, Desmond King, a healthy scratch, apparently for disciplinary reasons. He had an excused absence or an unexcused absence, I should say, from a team activity. So he's on my list of players, the Texans, should try to trade for draft picks. Put them with Brandon Cooks, Demarcus Walker, Malik Collins, Grugier Hill, and maybe Zach Cunningham, although I doubt you can get anything for him with his big contract. Keep in mind, Cunningham owed $11 million a year the next three seasons with over $25 million guaranteed. Again, big thanks, big salute to you, Bill O'Brien, for giving us another <laughs> one of those. Is there anybody that I'm forgetting on that list even? I mean, that's that's what they need to be doing over the next couple of days as we approach the trade deadline here pretty quickly. Well, let's see. Did you mention Eric Murray? I, I you, you listed them all, and I, I think I lost track. But, uh, yeah, there's quite a few of them on that list. And I think, you know, you, you're probably going to see some of those guys at least try to be moved. But some of those big contracts, man, it's just it's going to be hard to get a lot of decent stuff for them but you know you can get something for them it's better than at least it frees you up and it gets some younger guys in there that you know the texans may not be winning games but i just want to see more intensity and hustle because they're just definitely not there you know the rockets keep losing but they at least they've got some intensity going the texans just look absolutely 
lifeless, lethargic. I don't know what other adjectives we can say at this point, Robert. Back to Eric Murray, can you can you really get something for him, you think? Probably not. That That's why I'm saying, you know, for some of these guys like him, I don't know what you would really get with, with all the money that he's getting paid. Let's move on from the Texans because I've had about enough. Uh, one football team in Houston is actually winning and looks like they could play for a championship in a couple of weeks, believe it or not. Boy, the Cougs had their first signature win since the Tom Herman era. The game tied with 30 seconds left, and I was thinking, SMU isn't going to kick to Marcus Jones, are they? Are they? Look at this. He had eight career kick returns for touchdowns. Make it nine. Marcus Jones. That's exactly what I was thinking, Robert. I, I couldn't believe. Well, even Dana Holderson, I think, addressed it, too. How do you keep kicking to a guy like Marcus Jones? What does he have, five? Well, he has four special teams touchdowns this year. Like like the broadcaster said, nine altogether. He also had a receiving touchdown earlier this year. Also, he had an interception in this game, which wasn't exactly an easy interception. He had to reach back uh, while he was running at full speed. Can't forget, he's not just an incredible return guy, but man, what a return guy he is. Man, does, can he play quarterback too? And maybe the Texans can borrow him and he can just play quarterback. He can return kicks. He can, you know, maybe catch some passes, make some interceptions. I mean, this guy's incredible. And uh, Robert, here's something funny because you texted me. I think you said something like, you know, bet US may have gotten it right on the Cougs again. And then in the very same text, you go, wait, never mind, Marcus Jones in three or four exclamation points. That was that was an incredible game. I, I just I could not believe the way it ended and the way that SMU just kept kicking to the guy. It's incredible. Yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, bet us we talked about it last week or a few days ago that that they had it as a pick 'em game, an even game, and it was even until you kicked it to Marcus Jones with 30 seconds left on the clock. So the Cougs knock off undefeated SMU. Stephen, let's give a little love to Clayton Toon, who's taken his sheer criticism. He throws for a career-high 412 yards. He had a lot more of the offense on him after Alton McCaskill goes down with a leg injury in the first quarter, and we can't forget Nathaniel Dell either. Caught three touchdown passes, 165 yards on the night, and he now has over 800 yards receiving and 10 touchdowns on the season. Both guys, you got to give it up for them. Yeah, you absolutely do. That was quite an effort. I mean, I know SMU fought back. It was almost looking like the uh, Longhorns game, which I know we'll get to in a minute, where SMU fought back. But, man, the, the Cougars, I, I tell you what, they are a team. They they will fight and fight and fight. And you know, Robert, I've been kind of holding out the last few weeks about being convinced whether this team is really a legitimately good team just because they haven't beaten a lot of good teams well, either SMU isn't as good as everybody thought they were, or Houston may be better than we thought they were. I don't know, you know, but but that is a big win. There's no question about it. Maybe we should be doing Cougars postgame podcast, Robert, unless unless you think we jinx them by doing that. Well, I mean, we, we're we're sort of going to be talking about the Cougars and in, in postgame podcast without you know the Texans doing anything. So we're gonna we're gonna maybe get a little bit more into them, I think, on Sundays than before, as long as they keep doing this type of stuff and. You know, it looks like, like I said, they're going to be playing a Cincinnati team that is still undefeated in that conference championship game. If the Cougs take care of business, the Cincinnati Bearcats are 8-0, and and that's going to be fun. That will be a fun game with the Cougars playing for something real on the line later in the season 
you know, just got to finish off the schedule. But yeah, this this is cool. Yeah, you don't want to stub your toe at this point because the, the Cougars are not playing Cincinnati in the regular season. But yeah, the showdown could be in the AAC championship game where they would play. And man, that, that would definitely be a game. I, I wouldn't want to miss it, especially if they keep playing the way they do. I mean, they they still have some kinks to work out, most certainly. And Cincinnati is definitely better than SMU. But I mean, at this point, they've been winning all their games except one. So you got to hand it to them. And yeah, you, you mentioned Clayton Toon. What a great game he played. I kept waiting and waiting for him to really break through. And he didn't even have McCaskill for most of the game, as you said. But uh, yeah, Dell and, and some of these other guys coming through, man, it's exciting. So I can't wait to see what the Cougs do the rest of the season. Yeah, they got Temple, Memphis, Central Florida all coming up on the schedule. But the good news is this isn't the Memphis of the past. Temple has been struggling. They've lost their last three straight. So yeah, it's all setting up for them to end the season on a run here, which would be really fantastic. Maybe, you know, run the table after the Texas Tech. So that that's pretty cool. And you got that game on SMU now as, as a tiebreaker. Yeah, how big is that? I mean, that is huge. So uh, that can only help the Cougars as we come into the coming weeks. So we'll have to keep an eye on them. And hey, Cougars basketball is starting pretty soon. So well, yeah, we may be, you're right, Robert, we may be talking more about Cougars than uh, Texans and Rockets in the coming weeks. We've talked a lot about how bad the Texans offensive line is. We've talked a lot about how bad the Texans are in the second half. Although, you know, it didn't look as bad today with their, that fourth quarter run against the scrubs, but is there anybody worse in the second half this season than the Longhorns, Steven? <laughs> no, I certainly don't think so, Robert. I mean, three weeks in a row, you know, I hate using the word choke. I, I really hate that word. But what else are you going to put to it? it I, but I'll tell you what it really is, Robert, is when you can't put a full 60 minutes together and keep your focus, it's a mental thing. It absolutely is a mental thing. you got to blame some of it on the coaching staff, certainly. But th these guys should learn after two weeks, certainly. You can't go blowing. These are good teams they're losing to. There's no question. Oklahoma's a great team. Oklahoma State's a great team. Baylor's a great team. It, it's not like they're losing to, you know, Tulane or Memphis or, you know, something like that. They're good teams. But you're in a position to put all three of those teams away. Surely you can't tell me they, they couldn't do it at least a couple of times, at least once. But no, they're 0-3 in those last three weeks. The, the offensive line is pathetic. You know, the offense is not pathetic, it, but it's certainly inconsistent. And the defense is definitely inconsistent. So you just can't keep doing that week after week. You know, talk about frustration to the boiling point with the Longhorn fans. It, it was there before the Baylor game. It's definitely there after that now. Yeah, I'm a little frustrated also. Our our signal isn't great between the two of us, so you're hearing Steven not not sounding as good as usual. Uh, so we're going to close things out. And, you know, I, I don't feel like we need to go over too much more with the Texans or the Longhorns, but just let, let's revel in the Cougars a little bit, a little who's house, Cougs house, as we're uh, finishing things off. But when you make a wager on your college football or the NFL – do it with BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. We remind you every time, but it's it's the place to go. And like we said, this, the Texans, there's some maybe some room to wager on this team as the season goes on. And, and when you sign up, use that promo code HST125 to redeem 125% sign-up bonus on that initial $100 deposit. If you forget, the promo code is in the show description. And to help our podcast, go to our website and click on the BetUS icon when you go there. That's how you can get there and and it helps us brings a little bit of money back into the show when you do it that so when you start off go to the bet us icon on houston sports talk.net until next time 
Enjoy this beautiful fall weather, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.